0: Hey everyone, welcome to Let's Get Civical.
1: This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian,
0: feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist.
1: In this episode, we're talking about the national debt.
0: So grab your treasury bonds. And let's get civical. everybody? Hello, everyone. Lizzie made me do the intro, and we all know how that goes. I mean, I really,
1: I just, t- I just like you to step outside your box. This is what I love about you, is like you see me do the intro every time. And I every always time. say, hello, everybody. I wait for your hello, and then I introduce the show. <laughs> but when you do the hello, if you say hello, then I say hello, and then you just go, ah! As though we do not have a pattern of behavior as to what can come next.
0: But I think because I never say, hi, I'm Arden Walentowski. Welcome back. Uh, oh, sure. I, I never, those are not my lines. Right. <laughs> they can so be. Then, do you want to try it? <laughs> no, no. This is episode okay, 140. Okay. And we, <laughs> Episode 140. I, and don't, you know, cannot I don't know. I don't Introduce the show. No, I don't know my own name well enough to, to introduce them. That's my
1: art That's completely fine. <laughs> oh, that's my good. God. If, For those of you who are Arden and new listeners, welcome back to <laughs>
0: Let's Get Civical. I'm Lizzie Stewart. And I think I'm Arden She's She believes she's Arden Wallentowski. You know what? If you believe it, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. That is matters. all that
1: matters. Mm-hmm. I do believe in fairies. I do. I do. Mm-hmm. Believe in Santa. Believe in Santa. Believe... Honestly, honestly, I'll believe whatever at this point. I'm just looking for greener pastures wherever I can get it. And so you sister. tell me there's Santa. You tell me there's magic. Mm-hmm. You tell me there's aliens. You tell me there's... I'm like, absolutely. Great.
0: Who am I to say that there's not? Exactly. We are but lonely podcast
1: hosts. We are but simple country podcasters who literally have no dog in the race i have no dog in the alien race i have no dog oh. in the in the in the santa claus race in
0: the easter bunny race in the tooth fairy race the only the only what penny what did you start off that by saying the only dog that we have in the fight the only dog, dog i have in any of those fights is in the alien fights so that jody foster in contact mm. can be mm. proven right Correct. Everything
1: we do, we do for Jody Foster. Uh, yeah. Amen. Amen. A- and 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 the and the congregation said amen. Mhm. Wow. Again, you know, what I love about us, we used to be so good at talking about things before we introduced the episode that had to do with the episode, but we've no. been in this streak, y'all, where we are just spouting out bullshit. <laughs> And then saying, oh, no, we are we are lost without a map to get back to the point. But I, I guess I will pivot and say the episode that we're doing today is very special because it is, once again, a listener-requested episode. Heck yeah, so listeners. These are like my favorite types of episodes. Mm-hmm. You guys, I can't tell you enough. If you DM us on Twitter yeah. and Instagram... Or you email us at hello at civical.com saying, hey, could you do something on this? What'll probably happen is we'll receive the message, go, oh my God, this is the greatest (laughs) thing that's happened. And then we will do the episode because I want to do what you guys want to hear. And Arden wants to do what you guys want to hear.
0: It's so much more fun researching something that somebody else has been like, can you please look into this? I'm like, yes, yeah. honey, I will yes. because, yes. especially this topic. Like, when you sent me oh, this, yeah. I was like, "Ab, so fucking lutely, this Ab-so-fucking-lutely. is fucking lutely a treasure trove and also a wormhole." Like, uh, great, yep. let's do it. Let's do it. Yep.
1: So today we are doing a listener requested episode on the national debt. Big topic right now. Big topic, sort of this time every year. You know, it's just always, we're always, we're always in debt, the debt ceiling, we're running out of money, government shutdowns, it's all weirdly intertwined. Yeah. But I never stopped to think like, where, where's like the debt coming from? What's a deficit? What are the differences? All of the things. Yeah. Because we owe money.
0: We're in debt. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's so funny. It's like you know, that that page in People magazine. It's like the United States. She's just like us. She's just like us in debt. She's just like us in debt. <laughs> Did
1: she go to an
0: Ivy League college too?
1: <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. crazy. It's crazy. So I'm so excited to learn more because I truly know nothing about the, the national debt other than number one, we're in it. We're in we're in national debt. Yeah. And number two, we we are always doing things legislatively to continue to be in debt.
0: Yes. Yes. And I hopefully, okay, we'll just go through the episode because there were things that like I knew like a little bit about this, but like the debt ceiling thing, I was like, why do we even have this? Like that's an interesting piece of information. Yeah. We're gonna learn a lot on this ride and it's gonna Mm. be super fun. And I feel like the so I'll say the sources, the Sir Sharonin sources, but I also mm. feel like like the the sources that I went to were so easily digestible that I was like, oh, I kind of do understand this now, and great. like, I great, I'm so excited, hell yeah! So our Sir Sharonin sources are the New York Times, a lovely article by Patricia Cohen from like the recession era. So like, oh yummy, God bless her; she didn't even have COVID to deal with. Like a great explanation on deficit versus debt. The Council on Foreign Relations, as an article by James McBride and Anshu Sirisurapu, they did a really fantastic article called The National Debt Dilemma, and it's uh, posted in the Council on Foreign Relations. Like, so good. Love. Big. And then the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. So good. We d- Desperate for a committee. Always, <laughs> we always have to have a
1: committee. We're in a committee state of mind right now. So I love that we have one for this. Mm-hmm. So good. Oh, okay. Well, let's jump in because I'm, I'm glad we're starting with this because quite honestly, if you asked me what is the difference between deficit and debt, I'd be like, mm, how they're spelled. Um, so <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm going to kick us off by explaining the difference between the two. And right. these notes are coming from the New York Times article and the Council on The article that was in the Council on Foreign Relations site. So let's talk about deficit first. The federal deficit tells you how much more money the government spent in a single year than it received in revenue. So we are spending beyond our means. Right. This is all the
0: time. When you have your budget for the month Mm -hmm. and you have your rent and utilities... Mm-hmm. Nights out, food, you know, all of that. That is your budget. If you spend more than your budget, that the difference is your deficit.
1: Difference is a deficit. Yes. Keep the metaphors going. During the recession, for example... The deficit spiked because the government received less tax revenue as income dropped. At the same time, it was spending more money for things like unemployment benefits and stimulus programs to revive the economy. Since the end of the recession, the size of the yearly deficit has been declining until, you guessed it, the pandemic. Yep. So deficit, the difference between... How much you spend and how much you got. That's mm-hmm. the deficit. Yep. Now let's move on to debt. A word that we all recognize. <laughs> <laughs> the national debt, on the other hand, is the cumulative amount of money that the federal government has borrowed to make up for all those deficits in the previous years. So you
0: can't have debt without deficits.
1: <laughs> True. I just love True. Words. But you
0: could have debt. And not a deficit. True. Because you could have old debt.
1: You could have old debt. So you could, the, yeah, you're right. We could have we could have netted out at zero this year, but we right. still have debt but we still from have... last year. Yes, correct. You're right. You're yeah. right. Even if the size of the federal deficit or shortfall shrinks from one year to the next, the total national debt will still increase because the government is still borrowing money, just not as much as the year
0: before. So, yeah. you know- we're borrowers. We're the borrowers. We're the borrowers. Truly so very American of us. Yeah, I know. And it's I love so it. So just on the U.S. S. On the news. The government
1: could even have a budget surplus one year where it takes on where it takes in more money than it spends, but still have a sizable national debt that it has built over time. So yeah, the national debt, I mean, I'm sure we may talk about the exact number, but is trillions of dollars. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a number that doesn't exist. You know what I mean?
0: No, it's like one of those things where they try and show you the length of it in football fields, and you're like, just stop. I can't just, even. It's big. A hundred football fields, still right. beyond my comprehension. We're not
1: gonna. We're not gonna pay it back. We're always gonna have debt. <laughs> <laughs> True. So that's a debt. Very yeah. clear. And then there is something that we hear about all the time, which is the debt ceiling. Because let's put a roof over our heads with this. The debt ceiling is the legal limit set by Congress on how much the Treasury Department can borrow, including to pay debts the United States already owes. Since it was established during World War I, the debt ceiling has been raised dozens of times. I feel like it's raised every year now, but I could be wrong. It's probably like every two or three years. It feels like every year. It It does feel like like... every year we're talking about the debt ceiling. Yes. Yes. In recent years, this once routine act has become a game of political brinkmanship that has brought the United States near default on several occasions. So this is what, if you've been seeing the news recently, I think they've settled it and have agreed to do something. But the past few weeks has been like the the United States is going to run out of borrowing money on like October 18th or something like that. And right. Congress had to do something to raise the debt ceiling or agree to raise the debt ceiling. But they right. were at a stalemate. And then it was like, are we going to default? Are we not going to default? And then, oh, can you believe it? They came to an agreement to not default.
0: To not default. Because they have, it's like you have to pay your the creditors. They have to pay the creditors. Right. And so if they start defaulting and not paying their bills, not even to like, not, I mean, to like, to like China and other people who hold like, a financial interest in the mm-hmm. United States if they don't pay mm-hmm. them then it's just like any uh, you know you or me or whatever if we don't pay our credit card bills month after month our credit report our credit score starts yeah. to go down and it's obviously a different kind of credit score for countries but right. that's what would happen to the United States and a lot of the reason why like the United States is people still even though there is a lot of debt people mm-hmm. and by people I mean countries and Whatever, I don't mean individual people, but why the United States is still a good investment is because it has, a, a, at the moment, a sh, you know a shaky recovering economy, but in general, like a pretty trustworthy economy, and right. like you, right. you know, so
1: relatively, it's stable. a
0: safe investment, right? Like it's a, yeah. a fairly low risk. But then, like if you start, if the United States was to start defaulting because we didn't raise the debt ceiling, which mean we couldn't, which would mean we couldn't take on more debt to pay.
1: The outstanding
0: mm-hmm. that then we would default and that would be bad news bears
1: i i miss gold i miss <laughs> blocks of gold I, I miss like simpler times you, you and rand paul <laughs> i just i miss it i miss i miss trading goats
0: Gross. i miss Aww. i miss like
1: i miss chests of treasure Known yeah. as treasure chests, being put on a ship to go from one country to another country, I know. and then it was settled. I know. I miss the pirates.
0: The pirates. <laughs> I miss
1: the simpler times. Now money's invisible. I know. You can't see it. No. We don't like the the cash money is like phasing out. It's all online. It's all like I. It's all like I. Uh, my, apparently it's just because there are numbers in my bank account i can do things it's right. all invisible
0: i never right. see it no i want to i want blocks of gold in my apartment <laughs> no i went to dinner with some friends the other night and somebody handed me like 60 or yeah 60 or 80 bucks in cash for their portion of the bill and i was like how do you just happen to have yeah that much ca- i am lucky if i have a five dollar bill Right. Let alone Same. any any kind of coin denomination. Like, are you Coins. kidding me? A nickel? Haven't seen it in years. No. Where is she? Where is she? Yeah. I think they're fake. I think they're fake.
1: I miss simpler times. Mm-hmm. Continuing on with the notes. So Roger W. Ferguson Jr., who is an economist with the Council on Foreign Relations and other experts, argue that the debt ceiling should be scrapped entirely the only other advanced economy to have one is Denmark, mm-hmm. and it has never come close to reaching its ceiling. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm I'm always like, what's everybody else doing? Are yeah. we making things? Are we working harder, not smarter right now?
0: I think so. I think, I think that's so. exactly what's happening. Once again, yeah. we stand alone <laughs> in the world doing a stupid ass thing. So <laughs> stupid. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. So there are ways of dealing with the debt ceiling. You can probably guess that like, if you don't have the money for all of the things that you've promised to spend money on and you have to keep borrowing money, there are basically two things you can do. You can stop spending as much. Crazy. Or you can try and balance it the other way and make more monies. Really, it's our life's work. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's literally, it's literally what
1: I have to do every day. Yes. It's like, all right, right, all right, we're. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna buy stuff this week. Yeah, and then I'm gonna take on another job.
0: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm not gonna go out to dinner. I am going to work an extra eighty hours in these two days. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So cutting spending. Most comprehensive proposals to rein in the national debt include major spending cuts, especially for growing entitlement programs, which we will talk about is the large majority of the budget and are main drivers of future spending increases. For instance, the 2010 simpson bowles plan, a major bipartisan deficit reduction plan that failed to win support in Congress, would have put debt on a downward path and reduced overall spending, including military spending. It would also have reduced Medicare and Medicaid payments and put Social Security on a sustainable footing by reducing some benefits and raising the retirement age. Gonna hazard a guess also why it failed. <laughs> sure. Every
1: time you try to raise the retirement age, they're like, no, no.
0: No, 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 no. I mean, because you can't, you can't, I mean, and it is a hard argument to like take away. Yeah. You know, like if somebody's at, you know, and it, I'm sure it was there was a phase in, but like, right for me at the ripe young age that I am now, I have a long time to retirement, and so do you. But people who are like, maybe they're 55, hitting 60, right. like, you know, that would be super scary if you're like, what do you mean? I like, what am I supposed to do with this now three year gap because you've now made the retirement age 68, right? You know, like that's that's hard. So, I, I can, I'm not surprised this was not popular. Sure. Cut military spending and cut all of the help for the old people? Mm. Mm -mm. Uh -uh. The other option, like we talked about, so cutting spending, the other option is to raise revenue, make more monies. So most budget reform plans also seek to raise tax revenue, whether by eliminating deductions or other tax subsidies, raising rates on higher earners, or introducing new taxes, such as a carbon tax, which I feel like... It doesn't need to be like everybody, everybody's taxes go up 20 percent. Like, sure. May a a, a you know, a a graduated increase in taxes based on income bracket not affecting the people who make no money. You know what I mean? Like all of that makes Mm -hmm. sense to me. And like introducing new taxes. Yes. Carbon tax. Great. Do it. Like can't uh, do it. Sure. Can't do
1: it. Right. Because climate change doesn't exist. And there's too much, there's too much oil and gas money in politics. Oh my god.
0: Seriously. Simple period. (laughs) (laughs) It's so... Yes, it is disheartening
1: when you see things like that and you're like, oh, it's impossible.
0: Right. It's impossible
1: because there's too much, there's too much lobbying money tied in politics.
0: Yeah, yeah. And even, not even just lobbying money, but too much self-interest in yes. politics. Like, yes, we'll call lobbying money we'll and call all, all of the organizations. But, like, there's some, there's some you know, there's, <laughs> some, there's, some, there's <laughs> people that's who have, I mean, yeah.
1: Congress people can have stocks, you know, and trade stocks. There's Everybody's acting in their own self-interest. Yeah. Nobody's acting on the good of the American people. That's what's, that's, that's, nobody's talking about it. I'm like, you guys.
0: Congress. You guys. Don't lie. <laughs> so the Simpson Bulls plan, like we talked about before with how they wanted to cut spending, they would have raised more than a trillion in new tax revenue. Great. Excellent. Analysts estimated that the 2017 tax reform, in contrast, will reduce federal revenue by some $1.5 trillion over 10 years. So this is the, let's let the rich people keep all their money mm-hmm. and let's adjust the individual subsidy return, whatever, like the the amount that you get for your... Right. Like just being a human in the United States, the reduction that you get. Yeah. So that's so we can fix the the debt ceiling or or, or, uh, the debt in general by cutting spending or raising revenue. Seems very simple on paper. Like, seems kind of common sense. Can't do it. You know, stop going to dinners, take on an extra job. And it doesn't have to be forever, but like, then them's the breaks. But, you know, is this going to happen? it didn't no. simpson Bowls did not pass me. <laughs> so let's talk about where the debt ceiling came from which let's. i was like i kind of looked at this and went what <laughs>
1: it's most of these things I know. that we find we're like what? i'm sorry pardon what
0: <laughs> <laughs> why did we do and this to pardon? ourselves pardon yeah. pardon Prior to establishing the debt ceiling, Congress was required to approve each issuance of debt in a separate piece of legislation. Could you even imagine? I just. Could you? E- no, yes. we don't pass
1: anything. I no, can't imagine
0: us doing a, a approval every time. No, they would be there all day just being like, I, Department of Education, here's your one billion. Here's I, your money. Here's yeah. your monies. Here's your, uh, like, I mean, and not even for like a department, but like. You know, like just the the individual programs, like the entire government. It's crazy. Yeah. The debt ceiling was first enacted in 1917 through the Second Liberty Bond Act and was set at $11.5 billion to simplify the process and enhance borrowing flexibility. I really don't think they needed to like, you could have just said, we don't want to do it this way anymore. But I don't know that they needed to put a debt ceiling on it. Mm hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I I completely agree. I was like, yes, this isn't
1: working, what we're doing currently. And we put in a solution that is not real." it created another problem.
0: Right. One that we're still dealing with nearly a century later. I would say over a century later. Oh, right. We're in 2021. If you do the math. Christ. (laughs) Literally, it's my first (laughs) cup of coffee. I was like, that's about 100 years. Over a century. Yeah. Oh, my God. In 1939, Congress created the first aggregate debt limit covering nearly all government debt and set it at $45 billion, about 10% above the total debt at the time. So they gave themselves a buffer. They gave themselves a buffer. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: We're going to take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.
0: So this is what we were talking about at the top of the episode. But what happens if the, debt, if the U.S. hits the debt ceiling? Mm-hmm. Right. Also, the concept of a debt ceiling is like a little ridiculous because you're like, again, take it to like your own personal finances. Like, what would be, like, what would you even base your debt ceiling on? Like, the amount of credit that you have I guess, available I, I guess to
1: like you? The, like, the closest thing I think we would have is you're right, like a credit line. Like, mm-hmm. you can't, you know, like every credit card has an amount of money that you can right. spend on it. Right. And so when you hit that, I guess you hit your metaphorical right. debt, debt ceiling. ceiling. But it's even that's even a stretch, you know. Yeah. So it's not even something that really exists in our no actual lives. But no, it exists in the United States of America federal it government.
0: It sure does. It sure does. So once the government hits the debt ceiling and exhausts all available extraordinary measures, which is what they're called, it is no longer allowed to issue debt. So they could no longer be like, "Can we borrow trillion dollars? We'll pay you back. Yeah. I swear." Yeah. And then we're in default. So the extraordinary measures—this is their, this is the deal with those guys. When the debt limit is reached, the Treasury Department uses a variety of accounting maneuvers, mm. extraordinary measures, to avoid defaulting on the government's obligations. We're moving columns. We're shifting monies. Yeah, they're we're, they're we're, playing with the books. We're playing with the books. Yeah. For example. The Treasury has prematurely redeemed treasury bonds held in federal employee retirement savings accounts and replaced them later with interest. They have halted contributions to certain government pension funds. They've suspended state and local government series securities and borrowed money set aside to manage exchange rate fluctuations.
1: So they're like they're dipping into like. Like little honey pots that they've yes. set around for themselves, yes. you know, yes. like, oh, I was going to buy, oh, I was going to buy a new couch with this money, but now I'm going to use it to pay for my debt. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love maneuvering
0: I around love maneuvering. the books. And it's not even like I'm going to, I'm going to use this money that I have set aside to pay off my, that I've set aside for my couch to pay off my debt. It's like, I'm going to take Lizzie's couch <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and sell it, Yep. And then make money on it, and then I'll give it back to her. I'll give her the money back with like an extra twenty bucks.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's insane. It's so
0: crazy. It's extraordinary. It's extraordinary measures. Extraordinary measures. The Treasury Department first used these measures in 1985, and they have been used on at least 15 occasions since then. So basically, every other year. Yeah. We're using the jaws of life on the national debt. Yeah. So, after they've gone through all of the extraordinary measures, at that point, given annual deficits, incoming receipts will be insufficient to pay millions of daily obligations as they come due. Therefore, the federal government will have to at least temporarily default on many of its obligations were we to hit the debt ceiling, from Social Security payments and salaries for federal civilian employees. And the military to veterans' benefits, utility bills, among other things. So we start to default. We literally have no money to like pay the old people their social security. Right. Right. Or pay veterans. Or pay. <laughs> or like, pay literally veterans. anybody no, that we can't, no. No. Matters. <laughs> no. No. A default or even the perceived threat of one could have serious negative economic implications. And actual Fair. Uh, yes. If, I def- if we stop paying our credit cards and we don't pay them or there we don't pay our student loans, there are repercussions when you go to buy a car, a house. You mm-hmm. look like a poor risk. They're not going to want mm-hmm. to give you a loan, a credit card, a line of credit, any of those things. Anything. An actual default would royal global financial markets and create chaos since both economic and international markets depend on the relative economic and political stability of U.S. debt instruments and the U.S. economy. So not only are we playing this game, we're like everybody else is like sitting on top of us. Like we're yeah. the, the structure. And if we topple. Everybody else falls off.
1: The whole it's a it's a trickle effect. Everybody feels it. every country then has, you know,
0: yeah, because everybody struggling
1: economy like it's all impacted
0: because a lot of what they like they're. Oh, I think it's in here somewhere. But like the base currency or like the common, you know, one of the common currencies in most countries is the dollar, like what they Mm -hmm. hold, you know? Yeah. So if so, if we were to actually default, interest rates would rise and demand for treasuries would drop as investors stop or scale back investments in treasury sh- treasury securities if they are no longer considered a perfectly safe investment, thereby increasing the risk of default. So like. Then it becomes a domino effect. We're no longer like we default on the debt. People start to get scared. Things start to happen. Markets start to fluctuate. It all starts to go bad and then people don't want to put money into the US. Mm-hmm. So the way so we can't even take on money to like get out of this situation. Right. And it's just it's it's a domino effect. Even the threat of defaulting during a standoff in Congress increases borrowing costs. So like So literally like what just happened? <laughs> what just happened when Congress is like, "I don't know, maybe. Yeah. We'll maybe see. We'll do it. We'll, we'll see." see. Like, maybe take me to dinner and then we'll talk about it. That is not good because it looks like there's no right. There's a there's because all of that can like, not all, but a lot of economics is about perceived risk, right? So if like the people in Congress are like, I don't know, maybe we won't do it this time, then like yeah, people are gonna rightly get scared and kind of freak out and be like, what if you don't do it? Right, right. What if you don't do That's it? Like, Let me tell you the in the the list of things that happen if you bad, don't do bad it. Bad Number one, we can't pay the old people. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Number two, the veterans. No pay. (laughs) No pay. Oi. Oi. So let's talk about the question on everybody's mind, which is how in God's name did we get literally here with all this national debt, with all the deficit? Because to me, it's just something that's always existed, but it didn't always exist. There's been obviously a journey to where we are now. So let's talk about first the before times. The before times. The United States has run annual deficits, which is spending more than the Treasury collects, almost every year since the nation's founding. Starting <laughs> so off strong. It's, truly, it's patriotism. Mm-hmm. The period since World War II, during which the United States emerged as a global superpower is a good starting point to which to examine modern debt levels. I mean, that makes sense. Like, yeah. I feel like from World War II onwards, we were a completely different country, world, entity, etc.
0: Yes, agreed.
1: So defense spending during the war led to unprecedented borrowing, with the debt skyrocketing to more than 100% of gross domestic product, or the GDP, in 1946. Measuring both deficits and debt as a proportion of GDP is a standard way of comparing spending over time, since it automatically adjusts for inflation, population growth, and changes in per capita income.
0: Yeah, so instead of like, like if you just use the hard numbers, it would be askew because... Right, you have to adjust. You have to adjust because 20 bucks in 1946 is not 20 bucks now. Right. Whereas if you do it as a percentage of the same, as a percentage of, G- of GDP, which then is the same kind of number, then you're comparing apples and apples as, as opposed to like apples and turnips. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. I love it.
1: <laughs> Over the next 30 years, sustained economic growth gradually reduced the debt as a percentage of the economy. Despite wars in Korea and Vietnam and the establishment of Medicare and Medicaid. So we were doing like pretty okay. Like, yeah, we were okay of for a while. Wars and all, and yeah. social programs and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Overall, debt as a percentage of GDP bottomed out in 1974 at 24%. 24%. So we yeah. went from more than 100% to 24%. Not bad. Yeah. We did pretty Not well. Not bad. Yeah. And then we get into sort of modern times. So beginning in the 1980s, ballooning defense spending and sweeping tax cuts ushered in a new period of rising debt. During the 1990s, a combination of tax increases and defense cuts and an economic boom reduced the debt as a percentage of GDP. And starting in 1998, brought four consecutive years of budget surpluses the first such streak in 40 years. Yes.
0: This was what Bill Clinton would call like the internet mm-hmm. boom.
1: hmm So this yep. is the Clinton era.
0: Yep. Deficits
1: returned under President George W. Baby Bush, who oversaw a period of tax cuts, war spending in Afghanistan and Iraq, and major new entitlements such as Medicare Part D. Annual deficits hit record levels more than $1 trillion under President Barack Obama, who, in response to the Great Recession, continued the Bush administration's bank bailout program and provided hundreds of billions of dollars in fiscal stimuluses. So this was like the big recession that Obama yep. took on. And yep. towards the end of his presidency, we were getting out of then, of course, COVID-19 hit. So we were on the up and up. Everything was looking better. The debt was better. Spending was better. The economy was recovering. And, of
0: course... I mean, and then we had Donald Trump and, and his tax cuts. I that, 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 Like, insert that history right. line there, because that's actually The thing I think, there, the, the tricky hugely thing hugely I think about
1: the Trump presidency is that I don't even think we were fully able to see any effects of... Yeah. Or any major effects of any sort of the tax cut plan legislation, because COVID nineteen came and right, you know, like it, we'll never know. He could it could have it could have been a boom. It could have been a f- absolute catastrophe, but COVID nineteen came and you know changed the name of the game mm-hmm. because obviously in response to the pandemic the federal government spent trillions of dollars to boost the economy, including on stimulus checks for citizens and aid for businesses and state and local governments. So the PPP programs, the stimulus checks, um, they had federal unemployment um, that you could collect along with state unemployment during the height of the pandemic. A lot of money, a lot of money. According to the congressional budget office, these measures swelled the federal deficit to 3.1 trillion in 2020, which was about 15 percent of the GDP and the highest levels since World War II. Yeah, so we're we're back in war times, which I yeah. mean, yes, yes, <laughs> we're fighting a war. It's just a very different the war. enemy is a war on very COVID. small, very micro, very small, and enemy. almost invisible
0: invisible, it is invisible. enemy.
1: Even before the pandemic, though, the Congressional Budget Office projected that annual deficits would breach the $1 trillion mark in 2020 and remain above that level indefinitely. Yeah. I mean, we're just, we're spending in a way that, like, it's only going to keep rising. Right. We're not changing enough.
0: No, we're waiting for the day that we, like, sell a screenplay.
1: Right. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah Absolutely. We're waiting for the day that, like, our TikTok just, like, really tips, you know, really takes off. Right. So just a few little comments about the budget. Like, why is it so big? Mm-hmm. What does our future look like as U.S. Dot? And who holds our debt? Like, who are our yeah. creditors? Who do who we they? owe money to? So the budget, emergency spending aside, so, like, basically pandemic and natural disasters. Yeah. Most of the federal budget goes toward entitlement programs such as Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. Unlike discretionary spending, which Congress must authorize each year through the appropriations process, entitlements are mandatory spending, which is automatic unless Congress alters the underlying legislation. So everything else is like you they have to approve the budget. They have like yeah. discretionary spending is anything that's just Anything that fluctuates, whereas, like, these right. programs are in place. And in a right. way, that's really good. Like, that's, like, people have come to expect these checks. They've come to expect this money. They live off of this yeah. money. They wouldn't yeah. be able to survive without this money. Right. Like, I've been making jokes that, like, we pay the old people. But, they like, they, we have Social Security for a reason. Like, the, the elderly had no way of getting an income. Right back in the day and so we created social Security so that they wouldn't like have to live on the streets like that is mm-hmm. a, good, a fundamentally good thing but the program like these three programs are like a large majority of the, I mean a large I mean they they're like I think it's like a large portion of, of the budget yeah yeah, exactly yeah. in 2019 only 30 percent of federal spending went toward discretionary programs with defense spending taking up roughly half of that.
1: Love.
0: Yeah. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And when you think of it like that, if only 30% of federal spending went towards discretionary programs, meaning everything else is entitlement programs, and Mm -hmm. half of that, so 15% is military spending, you're talking about, like, cutting the 15%. You've got, like, 15% of the budget to play with. Mm
1: -hmm. And, like,
0: that's why it's always, let's cut Sesame Street. (laughs) Right. God. (laughs) Leave like, him alone. Oh my god! But like, what? I mean, we've gotta have a fix. So, what does our future look like in U.S. <laughs> it's 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 grim. Tell I me, feel like. please, wait. <laughs> tell tell it it be straight. <laughs> oh my god. The main drivers, so like in projections for future budgets, the and and uh, deficits and the debt. The main drivers are still mandatory spending programs, a la Social Security, the largest U.S. government program, and Medicare and Medicaid their costs which currently account for nearly half of all federal spending are expected to surge as a percentage of GDP because of the aging US population and resultant ri- rising health expenses yet corresponding tax revenues are projected to remain stagnant we're not adjusting enough we're not adjusting enough we're o- like we're only going to keep spending money mhm and i i mean the-, the baby boomers i mean now is the they're they're elderly now and they require like m- medical care is not cheap. I mean, that's also something yeah. that like could like the insurance industrial complex like sure is it really? Well, it's like, all tied, right? You know, like it's all tied. Like, do we need to spend this much on Medicare and Medicaid? Well, you could probably cut some certain percentage of costs if we had a situation like if we had a healthcare system that functioned more like one of the other like meccas of healthcare. You know, right. where like it didn't cost you a thousand dollars to like get your finger splinted. Exactly. Meanwhile, interest payments on the debt, which now account for nearly 10% of the budget, are expected to rise, while discretionary spending, including programs such as defense and transportation, is expected to shrink as a proportion of the budget. So we will take on more debt and need more money to pay that debt, which means we will have less money to pay for Big Bird.
1: (laughs) God. (laughs) We don't have money. The more of the money. story is we no. don't have money. We no. have the promise of money. No, we have no. a we have a good personality. Yes, we have and a pretty face. We are we are breakfast at Tiffany's. We mm-hmm. are Holly Golightly. Yes, you know we we have two nice dresses and mm-hmm. spunk, and yeah. people want to lavish us. Uh
0: huh. We work approximately from ten to one Monday through Thursday, mm-hmm. and then we party all weekend. Heck yeah. So let's talk about who holds the national the, the national debt, the U.S. debt. I would love to know. I know. It ain't me. <laughs> it's that? me. It's not me. The bulk of U.S. debt is held by investors who buy treasury securities at varying maturities and interest rates. So you buy a security and it matures in two years. I'm making this up. Maybe the interest rate is like 3%. Whatever. I have no idea what the interest rates are. But like, or you could have one for like... Ten years and it's five percent, something right. like that. This includes domestic and foreign investors as well as both governmental and private funds. Foreign investors, mostly governments, hold more than forty percent of the total U.S. debt. By far, the two largest holders of Treasuries or of Treasury securities are China and Japan, which each have more than one trillion in oh U.S. Treasury God. securities. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, I that's love why. It. Like, that's why. Like, when when people are like, w- you, you know, when we're, we're at the brink of risking default, it's like, okay, if we default, then those treasury securities mean absolutely garbage, and yeah. then China starts to fall. They're bigger than us, yeah. and like, you know, The whole like, world collapses. <laughs> the whole it collapses. So the idea that we're not going to raise the debt ceiling is just absolutely yeah. ridiculous, and it doesn't stop us from like. Spending the money because we've already committed to spending the money, right? So, like, either whether it's whether it's through the entitlement programs or because it's towards the debt, like we. So, I don't know. It's just I think the debt's is ridiculous. I'm gonna go out on a limb. Go out on a limb and, and say, say it's say ridiculous. It's a you little say it. You heard it here first, people. And it's ridiculous. For most of the last decade, China has been the largest creditor of the United States, apart from China, Japan, and the UK. No other country holds more than 500 billion in US treasuries.
1: Gotcha. So those are the three tiers China, yep. Japan, and the United Kingdom. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yep. Oh boy. Well, let's end this on my favorite thing in the world, which is fun facts, fun facts, fun facts, fun facts, fun facts. And we just have one little cute fun fact, mm-hmm. um, and we're going all the way back in time. On January 8th, 1835, all the big political names in Washington gathered to celebrate what president and asshole of the country, Andrew Jackson, <laughs> had just accomplished. A senator rose to make the big announcement, and I quote, Gentlemen, the national debt is paid, end quote. <laughs> the huzzas rose up around the halls of Congress or, you know, big celebrations. <laughs> this was the one time in U.S. history where the country was debt free mm-hmm. <laughs> in 1835. Yep. We had actually paid off all of our debt, which has never happened and never happened before or after. And it lasted exactly, you guessed it, one year. (laughs) Just one. And since then, we've been arguing about the debt ever since issuing treasury bonds along the way. So one lonely year in this nation's history, we were debt
0: free. Yeah.
1: Debt free, honey. That is a fun fact that is a fun fun fact fact. it's a fun fact
0: that's why you know like there are people who you know uh, run for election on like let's address the debt and like honey you and all the people who came before you like it is an
1: 1835 this is
0: not a new
1: problem no huzzas will be ringing around congress i promise
0: you (laughs) oh my god i mean yes i agree like let's it's it's there are issues we have to address but like the idea that we're going to like handle the debt when we haven't done it and I'm going to go on all and do this math, like 180 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my God. So
1: cute. I love it. So cute. So yeah. cute. Just like the national debt. Yeah. That is our episode on the national debt. So thank you to our sweet, sweet listener for giving us this idea and asking for this episode. I think we learned a lot. I learned a lot Mm -hmm. about uh, debt and deficit and the debt ceiling and I'm walking away from this thinking, well, it'll just keep going. It will just keep spending and we'll just keep getting in debt. Yeah. So if you like what you heard or you want to request your own episode, please follow us at Let's Get Civical on Twitter and Instagram. As always please rate us, review us, subscribe to us. We love you so, so much, and we will see you next Wednesday.
0: Goodbye.